I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle. We're sisters. And homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast. Where we talk about family style homeschooling. Hi, this is Michelle from Layers of Learning and I'm here with my sister. Hi, I'm Karen. Today we're going to talk about Layers of Learning. This is the basics. We're going to give you an overview of the whole program. It's kind of your orientation to how Layers of Learning works. Yeah, maybe if you've been with us a long time, you'll still learn something new. But we want you to see an overview of the program because it has a really different philosophy from a lot of other homeschool curricula that's out there. First of all, this curriculum is intended to be used with your whole family all learning together. It's a hands-on, parent-involved kind of curriculum. Exactly. So first of all, the parent controls the whole curriculum, including what exactly you're learning. Like the parent decides, not the curriculum deciding. Right. So you're going to see more within each unit than you're going to actually complete. You're supposed to pick and choose the parts that you want to learn about. And you also are picking and choosing which books you're reading. You're picking and choosing how you present the information. Are you going to read a book? Are you going to watch a video? It's very, very parent led parent uh, decision-making kind of curriculum. So it's not scripted and we won't tell you exactly which book you read and things like that. When you first open it, because it's pick and choose, that can feel overwhelming. You're going to look at layers of learning and say, oh my goodness, how can I do all of that? The answer is you're not supposed to do all of it. Definitely not. We What we did is we basically made what we consider an outline of learning. A grand outline. So we give you library lists of books. We give you a whole bunch of different activities and you are picking and choosing from among those to make your own curriculum. So for example, let's say that you've decided you want to do history one day a week. You're going to pick a book, one book or one video, and you're going to pick one activity to do for that day. And that's it. And it doesn't matter that you're missing 10 others. Because you're not missing them. You're getting the information through your reading. You're going to get the information again in four years when you come back to it. And you don't have to know every single fact in order to be a good, well-rounded student in order for your children to be well-educated. You know, Michelle, that's one of the misconceptions that I think has happened with some of our families. One of the things they think is that you have to complete an activity to learn that concept. Okay, let's say we're learning about ancient Europe. If I'm teaching my kids about ancient Europe, I probably want to cover Waddle and Dobb housing. I want to cover Stonehenge. I want to cover Sweet Track. There are lots of things that I want to cover. I might just choose one of those activities. You know, maybe we will make a model of Stonehenge. Just because we're not also creating the Waddle and Dobb housing from the exploration doesn't mean that I didn't learn about that with them. Because when you read that book about ancient Europe, it's going to come up. They're going to see a lot of things through the reading, through the videos you watch, through your discussions, and then you can choose the activity or two or three activities if you want to. That doesn't mean that you are completely skipping over information. That just means that you chose the parts that you wanted to focus on and spend a little bit more time on. Yeah. So typically you are going to choose one activity from the book for each day that you're teaching that subject. So let's say that if you're if you're doing a one day a week for history, then that means you would do four of the explorations out of that unit. There are no, an average of around 20 explorations in a unit, so you're not doing 16 of them. And we expect that. That's that's how it's designed. 
it can feel a little bit hard to skip over the ones that you go, oh, that looks fun and that looks fun and we should do that. And But really, honestly, your kids will get more from it if you're not doing quite so much because you can then allow for the time to take off on little rabbit trails as they do get interested in something. You can take the time to research a little bit. One of my favorite things about layers of learning is that it is a very research-based instead of a fact-based method. You're not supposed to just learn this list of the facts and then be able to regurgitate them and spit them back out. Instead, you're modeling how to learn with your kids. And that's that's the underlying philosophy. So you're not going to find scripts in this curriculum, and we will never have a scripted curriculum, and we will never make it so that we tell you exactly which things you should be learning about. It's supposed to be interest led by you, your family. Okay, the second thing is that we take a neutral tone. We don't believe that education should be indoctrination at all, ever. So we present things that are, okay, here's information. Here is a fact. Here is something that happened in the past. Here is a scientific concept. And there's an activity for it, but we don't tell you what to think about it. I think, Michelle, one of the things that's tricky is that we do present things that you might not agree with. For example, old earth theory is found within layers of learning. You will see that there. We have the dates from, you know, the earth is 4.5 billion years old. We, we use that date. Well, and, and on example. top of that, we actually talk about how the earth is very old and present the mm-hmm. theory. Yeah. The thing is, whether or not you believe the earth is that old, your kids do need to know the difference between people who believe in like the old earth theory and people who don't and why it's kind of like evolution whether or not I believe in evolution I have to teach my kids what it is yeah you know so the way you present it will be on you well and it's important to remember too that the books are written to the parent this is not a book that you hand to the child so if you don't want to present them the old earth dates you don't have to no you you don't have to but I'm saying it's also not criminal to say, hey, some people believe in this. Yeah. And some people believe in this. What do you think? And yeah. have the discussion. And actually, we do have, that is a typical kind of question that we put in the sidebars. Our sidebars are meant for taking you off on rabbit trails or helping you have discussions. And we have these deep thoughts questions and they dive into that kind of stuff. The moral questions, the belief questions, those will be in the sidebars. But we do not tell you what to think. We have no stake in this. We don't care if you teach your kids about evolution or not, that's, we don't care. It's, it, it doesn't affect us. It doesn't affect our lives. It doesn't affect anyone but you and your kids. So you should be able to decide that. We intend for layers of learning to be a really good mix of academics and fun. So we wanted to infuse it with lots of high interest activities and deep topics that you can explore we basically wanted to have the entire gamut of ideas for you so that you can go, ooh, we're really interested in doing that and get excited about the things that you're learning. And then they're doing things that are hands-on. So not only does that help it stick in their heads, it is fun. So that's important to us. That's why we wrote it that way. That's why it's an activity-based curriculum. But we also believe in books and research and writing papers. And so that's also in the curriculum. I've noticed in a lot of curriculum materials, Michelle, that often it will be a really, really solid pattern, like a little bit textbook, um, you know, read this passage, answer these questions, write a short answer paragraph, you know, it's Mm -hmm. kind of that same thing over and over and over again. And one of the things that I love most about layers of learning 
is that I could do a unit and it could look completely different. Even doing the same unit again, it could mm-hmm. look completely different because we really try to incorporate lots of different types of activities. You know, some of them are going to be simple printables. Some are going to be big, elaborate hands-on projects. Some are going to be the kids dressing up and acting something out. Or food. Or food. You're going to get all kinds of different things. And so it's intended to be, hey, what strikes us? What are we in the mood for? What do we want to do? It seems easier planning-wise in a mom's mind to just, here's the exact scenario. This is what we're going to do. But it also kind of gets boring to the point that it's not memorable learning. Yeah, that's why kids forget it right after they take the test. Yeah. So instead, we really want to make it memorable and fun and interesting. So we're hoping that you'll choose from the variety of things. And then on the next unit, be like, let's go another direction. Well, I've asked my kids, which subject is your favorite? They like them all. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's not like you have to have a high interest in history before going into it in order to develop a fun, high interest in history. With layers of learning, you like doing it because it actually is fun. It's fun. You're learning and you're doing hard work, but it's enjoyable at the same time. Yeah. There was a mom who posted not too long ago in our Facebook group and she posted a picture of her kids doing a writing assignment. And she said they didn't even know this was a lesson. (laughs) Yeah. Like they, they just had fun and they didn't realize, oh, we had to, you know, do a lesson plan and I had to get my homework done. It didn't feel like that. And we hope that layers of learning doesn't feel like that. Yeah. So that's that's the basic philosophy. Let's talk about how the program is structured. So first of all, it's built around a four-year cycle, which means you do layers of learning for four years in order, and then you cycle back and you start over again, and you do the same four years again. But your kids are older, and because it was a pick-and-choose curriculum, you can choose different things than you did last time, but you're hitting the same topics. So you're going to hit ancient India twice. Right. And then you do it for a third time in the high school years. So a lot of curriculums that you purchase, you buy. Here's your level one. Here's your level two. Here's your level three. You buy it by grade level or, you know, age level. This is different. This is all of the grades and ages are all incorporated into this book because you're learning as a family. So if you have high schoolers and toddlers and some kids in between, you're going to have one book. And it's going to give you ideas for all of those ages of learning. So you're all learning the same topics. Even if you do some different activities, depending on ages, all of it is there. So you can learn as a family and then cycle back around and learn as a family and cycle back around all all of the times. And once you've bought the four books, that's that's it. You're done. There's no more to buy. So that's how the overall structure is. And then let's talk about the inside of the books. Like what does each, well, actually let's, let's go back to talk about what, um, we have four years. So there's a year one set of books, a year two, a year three, and a year four, Mm -hmm. right? And so within a year, we've got four subjects. There's history, geography, science, and art. And so let's talk about like ancient history is the first year. Within that ancient history book, there are nine units, one unit for each month of your school year. And the units are like chapters in in a bigger book. Exactly. So when you're starting with year one, In that very first month of learning, you're going to be taking a unit from history, a unit from geography, a unit from science, and a unit from art. And those four all dovetail together and work together for your homeschool. So the very first year of layers of learning is ancient history. And that very first unit, the first month of learning, is first civilizations. That's like a chapter in the ancient history book. 
Right. So within the first civilizations unit, you're going to be learning about history. Like how does history work? What is a historian? How do they know what they know? And then early civilizations, like what does it take to make a civilization? What is civilization? And then we're going to go around the globe and learn about different early civilizations around the world. At the same time, you're doing the geography unit, which is maps and globes. So you're going to learn what geography is, learn about the differences between globes and maps and the advantages of each. And also it's an overview of continents and oceans. Then in science, which is earth and space for that whole first year, you'll be learning about how science works. That's the first unit. And it talks about the history of science and the scientific method. At the very same time in art, this is the art beginnings course, you will do the unit called what is art. You'll learn about the drive to create, you know, what makes people actually be creative, the purposes of art, and you'll realize that there's art all around you. So we learn about the art that is everywhere, the clothing that we wear, all of those things. So one complete month involves first civilizations, maps and globes, how science works, and what is art. Yes, and those are sold separately at Layers of Learning, each course so ancient history, people and planet, earth and space, and art beginnings, they're each sold separately. So if you didn't want to do all of them, you don't have to. That's one of the reasons that they're they're separate and not all sold in a single volume, even though they completely dovetail together. We want to make sure that people can pick and choose what they want and arrange the schedule. Again, it's parent-driven. We want you to decide how it's taught and what you teach exactly. One of the misconceptions that people have had is that because we have separate subjects, they don't dovetail together, but they actually do. For example, in the eighth unit of ancient history, we cover ancient Greece. In that same art unit, we cover Greek art. So they dovetail together perfectly. In the science, it talks about the universe. The ancient Greeks were some of the first people to observe the stars. So you could absolutely have those tie-ins. And you'll often see things like that, especially in the sidebars that will say, hey, Notice that while you're learning about this, you can coordinate yeah, it The ancient here. Greeks named most of our constellations. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's how it ties in. Again, it's not always perfect because if you tried to make it perfect, you would have enormous gaps in your education. Yeah, one of the things that we realized is we need to cover all of the things, but they don't all completely dovetail. So in that eighth month of learning with your kids, while you're doing ancient Greece and Greek art and the universe... In geography, you're doing polar regions. But there's no history in Antarctica. Yeah, we if we always dovetailed the history with the geography, you would never learn about the polar regions. So sometimes we have to say, okay, that doesn't go perfectly, but we don't want to skip it. So there's a lot of coordination between the subjects, but it's never going to be perfect. So an individual unit structure is like this. At the first, you have an introduction, and then the body of the unit is lesson plans. So you've got individual, we call them explorations, and it's a complete lesson plan. So you'll do one exploration during the day that you're studying history or science or whatever, right? And then at the end, there are assessment materials that help you to create your own tests or games that would test your children on their knowledge. And then all through the whole unit, there are sidebars. So that introduction that you mentioned, Michelle, is really just a basic orientation. Some families read it out loud together. Some families just have the parent or mentor read it to familiarize themselves and then they talk about it. It's up to you how you use that. But it kind of gives you grounding for the 
subject so that you know, oh, here's this what is we're what covering. Yeah, this is what it's about. And then, and then the lesson plans, again, they're called explorations, or in science, they're often called experiments. And then occasionally there's an expedition, which is a field trip. And they, they all come with a supply list at the beginning. And then there's a short informational paragraph or sometimes, you know, three. And then there's a photo of the project and a numbered step-by-step lesson plan. Sometimes they're missing a photo if it's something that doesn't really need a photo. Sometimes they're missing the short informational paragraph. If it, again, if it's something that doesn't need an informational paragraph, but you're always going to see the supply list and the numbered step-by-step lesson plan. This is what you do. These are the orders. This is how you follow through your day. This is what you're going to do numbered. Yeah, it's it's a pretty basic rundown so that the mentor can quickly and easily help their kids complete the lesson. It's not a 100% you must do it this way kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's the most scripted part of the entire curriculum probably is the step-by-step lesson plan. We've If it's in the book, it's because we did it. And we've run through it and we've said, okay, this is how it works. You know, th- this is when, you, this is when, while the glue is drying, you have time to watch the video. Kind yeah. Of thing. We were just talking a few weeks ago, Michelle, do you remember when we were saying, isn't it amazing how often we write it? And then when we do it with our kids, we go back and change the numbered steps yes. because something worked or didn't work. Or even the supplies. Uh, this, this didn't, yeah. this wasn't the best idea. So what we're doing is trying to make it so that you have the most successful homeschool you can without all of the planning. Right. Your planning should consist of this is what we're going to do that day. And gathering supplies. And gathering and supplies. Mm-hmm. And, but you don't have to actually like plan out every moment. Because we did that for you. Yes. Okay. And then that part at the end of the unit where the assessments are, mm-hmm. that is not necessarily a test. Sometimes there are. Sometimes yeah. we include tests or quizzes. But most often you'll see writing assignment ideas, games, worksheets, narration pages, you'll yeah. see little ways that you can assess your kids to make sure or to find out what they remember or what they learned. And then the big book of knowledge is a major assessment tool. It is for the mentor to write down and keep track of what the children have learned through the unit. The kids can also help to prepare that big book of knowledge, but the, it's a mentor controlled because the mentor is going to use that for assessments. And, and it's really easy to use if you're keeping a big book of knowledge because you can just pull open the sheet from the unit that you learned about and start asking questions based on what you have written on that sheet. And it reminds you, the mentor, what you learned about, you know, which which vocabulary words do I want to quiz them on? Which parts of the map should they be remembering? What um, famous scientists should they know what they did, you know? Yeah. Often we think everything we do has to be cute. You can make this big book of knowledge cute. You can have it be kind of in the narration style where, hey, I wrote this little passage and I drew a little picture. Or it can just be a sheet of notes that you jot down. It doesn't matter. You're just keeping a record of the things that you learned so that you can remember to go back and quiz your kids on it. That's all that the big book of knowledge is. Yeah. So, and again, we do that because we aren't telling you exactly what to teach your children. So we didn't write any tests. We want you to be controlling the information that your children are getting and then you controlling what they're quizzed on or what you're testing on or what you're assessing on. Well, we mentioned, Michelle, that if you have those 20 or so explorations, you're just choosing maybe four of them. 
So if we did a test, what if it was on the other subjects that you didn't really focus on? Yeah. So instead you're taking it and you're saying, this is what we focused on. Make a note of what you focused on so that you remember to review it with your kids often. Yeah. That's and all that's, that the big book of knowledge that's is. That's all it is. It's, it's very simple and it's straightforward and it's easy to use. Okay. Let's talk about sidebars really quickly. They are lining every page. They just have extra information. They sometimes have extra activities, famous people, writing ideas, extra books that are high interest that your kids might enjoy. That's the kind of thing that's in the sidebars. These are often things that you're just going to throw in during a morning meeting of your school or maybe while your kids are working on one of the explorations, you're sharing a fabulous fact with them. For me, the sidebars tend to be very spur of the moment. I yeah. don't plan them. I've never written a sidebar in my planner like, oh, hit on that. I just Yeah. You you could take one easily and turn it into a full lesson if you felt like it was important or it was something that your kids are really interested in. But even then, I'm not sure that it would go in the planner at least at the beginning of the year because you don't yeah. know what your kids are going to be interested yeah. in. That would be more of a, a an adjustment mid-year kind right. of thing. So I see a lot of moms who are trying to plan out every single detail, and that's a little bit counteractive to what we're trying to accomplish here because you want to let the interest led learning happen in your homeschool. So you're going to plan out the basics, but then don't be afraid to let the rabbit trails just happen. Sidebars should be fun little add-ons. Yeah. So in the United States, a typical school year is 36 weeks. It may be different in other places. This curriculum, because of the way it's written, is really easy to adjust to the number of school weeks that is right for your family. Yeah, a unit can take as long or as short as you yeah, want. So you, just make the adjustment. Again, because it's pick and choose, you can spend only three weeks on a unit or two weeks on a unit or three months on a unit. Mm -hmm. It's it's completely up to you. So, but we we did it thinking in terms of 36 weeks for a school year, which is nine months, which is one unit per month. Mm -hmm. We use a four-year cycle in this because we really like teaching history in context we like having the geography coordinate with the history and also the art coordinate with the history. And then there are also four basic branches of science. So it works really, really well to have the four-year cycle because then you're learning about each, you know, like ancient, Middle Ages, colonial, modern history, and then you begin again. Just cycling back to it. The, re the repetition is important too. The mm -hmm. kids are learning about it three times through their educational journey. They're going to learn differently when they're older. So it, yeah. it's helpful if they're always learning in context, but they're learning on their new level the they next can, they time they build cycle. and build and build. Okay. So let's go into a weekly schedule. So we've talked about kind of a month. You're going to plan out which month you're doing each unit. That's a very simple way to plan that. And then you're going to plan out your weekly schedule. So the number of hours you do depends on how old your kids are. This is a question we get asked all the time. How many hours am I supposed to spend on layers of learning? And that really does depend on the ages of your kids. If your kids are, you know, 14 and up, if they're high school age, you need to typically plan on four hours of a subject per week if you're counting it as a full credit for high school transcripts. Right. That's just the general rule. Yeah, that's that's typical. Again, these all of these things depend on exactly where you live. So you need to look up what is expected for a full credit for high school where I live. And then you can plan on how many hours a week you need for that. But one of the misconceptions, Michelle, is that they think that the family school part needs to be the four hours of a subject per week. And but it doesn't. that actually includes the kids reading time or their online research or their writing 
So it's not like your family has to have a calendared four hours, four hours per week yeah. per subject. That's actually a lot of hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when your child is doing independent reading, they could be reading a history book and that's counting towards their four hours right. a week of history time. And I don't set a timer necessarily. No. Like I, I think you can be a little men. bit looser with that when you're homeschooling, but that's just the rule of thumb. Yeah. And we actually accomplish more in our homeschool than we ever accomplished when I was teaching in schools because we utilize our time a little bit better. Yeah. And so it doesn't have to be like you're recording minutes. Don't let it get that mundane because it's too, the minutia would be too much. With younger kids, kids who are under 14 or um, below high school age, typically in most places, there are really no standards. And a lot of places they might not teach science at all until high school. It, It just depends. So you really can do what you want. We recommend one to two hours a week for each subject. And that's not because we think that we, you know, are all powerful and should recommend things to you. We're just saying, you know what, if you plan one to two hours, you'll be able to finish the explorations in that time. Yeah, you know, that's, it's just, that's about right. Just a good rule of thumb for, yeah, you won't again, be stressed if yeah. you have that much planned. Just a rule of thumb. And you can, you can plan to do one subject a day. That's typically how I do it. We do history on Monday, geography on Tuesday, art or not art, science on Wednesday and art on Thursday. And then Friday we use to finish up other projects or we do a second day of history or science or whatever we feel like. That's how my family has done it for years and years and years. It works well for us. My family does two subjects a day. So we do history and geography on Monday and Wednesday. We do science and art on Tuesday and Thursday. And then Friday, just just like you, Michelle, Friday is our you know, follow-up, catch-up, cleanup, play day. games. Yeah, what, <laughs> yeah, whatever's left we do on Friday. Yeah. You can also do four subjects each day if you wanted to and spend doing for less time. I prefer having bigger blocks of time because I want to get through a whole exploration. You know, I want to do the reading, the project, everything all in one day. That's, yeah, and that's it would what be, I prefer. It would be tight if you were trying to do everything every yeah, day. Yeah. You can do whatever works for your family, any combination. There are a number of layers of learning families who actually say, I'm going to spend a week doing all of the history. And then I'm going to spend a week doing all of the geography and then a week doing all of the science and then a week doing all of the art. And they divide it up that way. Yeah. I don't because I like to have the continual review over an entire month. So if I learned ancient history, I don't want to leave it behind for, you know, three more weeks before we return to it. But for some people, that's what really works for them. Yeah. Just depends on your family. We don't care. We, we are not vested in this. We're not going to tell you how to do it. It may take a little bit of trial and error on your part, figuring out what's right for you. Every family's different. Yeah. And that's, that's why we're not going to tell you exactly how to do it. Cause we don't think that there's a one size fits all. Exactly. Overall, we wrote layers of learning so that you could have this grand outline and explore interesting topics with your family. We never wanted to dictate every single thing or script what you should say. We really believe in having learning that is active, that you're doing as a family, not that you're memorizing a list of facts. So Layers of Learning is written as a pick and choose curriculum that can be flexible and adapted to your family, to your schedule, and to your way of thinking about homeschooling. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating wherever you listen. Ratings and comments help people find happy family style homeschooling. Visit us at layersoflearning.com, at Instagram, and on our Facebook group. And make sure to tune in next month for the next podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning! learning.